Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Happy Easter, everyone. How you doing? Good, good, good. You guys look great. You sound great. It's been an awesome weekend. How many of you have been here with us all over the weekend? Came for country night. Right, I, I, I made my way through that night, right, I braced it into, into rock night, and if you've been here, you know we've been not only changing our music styles, right, like we've been kind of embracing different styles, but we've been following the story of what I think is the greatest weekend ever, the weekend that literally changed, changed the world, and so we started on uh, Friday with country music. And I thought it was fitting because Friday is all about the cross and blood and death. Fits country, right? <laughs> Just sounds like something you, you, you'll sing on the back road where there's nothing. And so like, and we just talked about the cross, the power of the cross. I introduced you to a man named Barabbas. And then yesterday was rock night and it was dark. And we talked about the silence of Saturday. Why, why Saturday is important. If you missed either one of those messages I would encourage you to go back and and catch up. Today, we get to celebrate the good news. The tough news was Jesus, he died on the cross. That was a really difficult, sad day. But everything changed on Sunday. And what's interesting is I've been going through a story with you that I think is, is, is very interesting. And I never thought of it as an Easter story, as part of the Easter story. But what it is, is it's the effects of the Easter story that, that we see. So I've taken you back a couple thousand years, 60 days roughly after uh, Jesus has died, been placed in the ground, resurrected. 60 days have now passed and he's gone back to heaven. And before he went back to heaven, he told his followers, he said, listen, uh, I want you to go everywhere, tell everyone about me, but you're not going to do it alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to fill you with power. You're going to be my witnesses. The Bible, when it talks about this power, it actually says you're going to have dynamite power living inside of you. It describes it like this. The same power that the Lord used to conquer the grave would be living inside of you. That's really cool to me. He said, you're going to go everywhere and tell me. So they go into the upper room, 120 of them, and uh, the Holy Spirit descends on them. The Bible says they begin to speak in languages they they didn't know. They go out into the streets. The streets just happen to be filled with people from all walks of life, all different languages. And they begin to proclaim the language uh, uh, of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus in a language that they would hear. It would be like me walking into China, right? Going over to China, never learning. I can bear, I took two years of Spanish. I know donde es el baño. That's it. Where's the bathroom, right? The most important thing, right? And going in, into China, needing God to give me the language to speak, to tell these people about Jesus, never being educated, waiting on the Holy Spirit, walking out and speaking in perfect, fluent Chinese. This is what's going on. The people think that the, the early apostles are drunk, right? They're crazy, which I think is fitting because I think that is probably how some of you feel about the people around you right now. They're crazy. What, what's in the coffee? I didn't get some. But if that's how it makes you act, maybe I want some. 
Some of you were invited by somebody and you're going, man, what is wrong with them today? Like, why, why are they so emotional about this religious moment? Like, why is this such a big deal? Here's what Peter preaches. Now, you have to understand, Peter was the one who, who denied Christ three times, and then he ran from Christ, and then he found out Jesus supposedly rose from the dead. He ran to the tomb. He didn't find Jesus, and then Jesus appeared to him, and it was kind of an awkward encounter. In fact, Peter went back to his old way of life, thinking, if Jesus is back, he can never use me because I denied him. Peter has now been, 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 been restored by Jesus on the beach, and now he's, he's leading this church, this group of people sharing the gospel of Jesus. And here's what he says in Acts chapter 2, verse number 22. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, he says, you saw him work. He was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men. By the way, those wicked men were in his audience. He's preaching in the same city where Jesus was tried, crucified, and killed. He's now back preaching to the same men. He said, you, you put him to death by nailing him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Then he says this. He says in verse 32, I love this part. He says, God has raised this Jesus to life. And we're just witnesses of it. We're just witnesses of it. There's no education here. There's no big plan. We got together and we came up with this plan. I'm a fisherman. John, we don't even know what John was, but, you know, he's John and, 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 and Matthew's a tax collector. He's stealing. And, hey, Barabbas is over here. He's one of maybe one of the 120. Barabbas was a murderer. And then Jesus carried his cross. And Cleopas was over here. And Cleopas, you know, he, 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 he couldn't understand Saturday at all. And he was going through the struggle of the silence of God. And, and Jesus met him on Sunday and opened up his eyes. Maybe one of the other preachers, maybe Lazarus, we just sang about him, said, yeah, I was dead. I was dead. How long? Three days. What was that like? It's awesome. <laughs> Jesus brought me back to life. Maybe, I, I just want to get interesting, maybe, maybe the dude that used to cut himself in the cemetery while he was naked, right? Maybe he's clothed finally, and his arms are healed, but they're scarred. Jesus healed him. Maybe he says, yeah, I, I couldn't stop cutting myself. I, I couldn't heal myself. I couldn't get over the shame and the pain and the things that tortured me. But I'm just a witness of the power of Jesus. I'm not sure who else there. Maybe Matthew was like, hey, 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 everybody who loves money and is a thief, come around me. Matthew, the tax collector, says, Jesus saved me from my greed. He, he saved me from my thievery, if that's even a word. I'm not sure who else was there, but I know they began to preach. And here, here's what Peter says in, in his own epistle. He says, when, when we preach the gospel, watch what he says, 2 Peter 1, we don't follow cleverly devised stories when we tell you about the coming of Jesus Christ in power. We're not a pyramid scheme. We're not a pyramid. We're not trying to get you to drink the Kool-Aid. What does he say? We were just eyewitnesses of this. We can't help but talk about this. We, we can't help but share about what the death, the burial, and the resurrection accomplished in our own life. I started thinking because I've been kind of digging into the details of who was there and they don't really know exactly who was a part of the 120 that got filled with the spirit. But the guy that I'm going to talk to you about today, they know was there because he's one of the original 12 disciples. I want to talk to you today about a man named Thomas. I just want you to imagine there's this preacher there named Thomas. 
If you've been to church before, Thomas is referred to as, as what? Anybody know? Doubting Thomas. It's amazing how we label people and then we're like, you don't label me. Right? Don't judge me. You don't know me. But we put in the Bible, we're like, doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Here's what we know about Thomas. We know that he was possibly, probably a business owner. He's a very logical person. He's a checks and balances person. We know if he was a business owner, more than likely he either got it passed to him by his parents or he started the business from scratch. Either or, if you own a business, you know how much work it is to put into a business. We know at some point he has this interaction with Jesus, right? Jesus comes by. He's also a Jewish man and he's educated in the Torah. The Torah has said for years that the Old Testament has said, a Messiah will come. He's going to do this and do that and look like this and come at this time. And so he starts putting two and two together and he realizes Jesus passed me by and Jesus asked me to follow him. And it looks like this could be the one according to what scripture says, because I'm logical and I, I'm detailed and I'm studied and I'm a business guy. I'm going to take the chance and I'm going to follow Jesus. So, so Thomas leaves everything to follow Christ. It's not a convenient faith. It's not an Easter faith. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, we saw you at Christmas, now you're back at Easter, we'll see you again at Christmas, right? And it's not that type of faith, it's not, a, it's not a seasonal faith, it is literally, I'm all in. Logically, I, I, I've thought about this, I'm all in. I think Jesus is the Messiah. Imagine with me, this business guy, he's checks and balances, he he's, he's walks in, into Jerusalem uh, on, on Palm Sunday. He sees the, the palm branches falling down on the street. He hears the people. He thinks, man, I'm a part of something. What an amazing moment that I got to be part of. My, 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 my decision to leave everything is paying off, only to have just a few days later that same Jesus be tried, be crucified, and now be placed in the tomb. Sunday ro rolls around. And uh, a couple women go to the tomb to see if Jesus is there. And they can't find him. So they run and get the men. And Peter and John race to the tomb. And they look in the tomb and there's nobody there. And so they, they come back and they tell the other disciples. But scripture lets us know in the book of John that all the disciples are gathered. And they don't really know what's going on. But one of them's missing. It's Thomas. It's Thomas. In fact, Scripture lets us know, if you read it, that he goes AWOL for seven days. He is so heartbroken. He put so much logic. He wasn't peer pressured into following Christ. You know what I'm talking about? It wasn't this emotional decision. It, 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 it was checks and balances. This made sense. Here's where I'm going to put my hope. If I'm going to follow this, I'm going to follow this all the way through. And now Jesus is gone. And if he's gone and he's dead, he's gone forever. And Thomas has abandoned ship. The Bible says he's gone for seven days. The disciples come to him and say, listen, man, we've seen Jesus. We know he's real. Maybe somebody around you saying that to you. Man, just open your eyes. Look around. Jesus is, is real, but still for you, it's a struggle. Still for you, there's something missing. Still for you, there's unanswered questions. Still for you, the more you search, it feels like God is farther away from you. Other people have faith, and it feels like you can't get to that point. Thomas is there. The disciples are bought in. Jesus is back. Jesus is coming. Jesus has risen. 
Thomas just can't accept it. In fact, uh, I love the interaction in John chapter 20 when the disciples come to him and they say, uh, the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Like we, we've seen him with our own eyes. We, we, we saw the Lord. But what did he say? Unless I, unless I see the nail in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand on his side where he was stabbed with a spear to make sure he was dead. I'm not going to believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. He's still hanging out, but he doesn't really know what's going on, and he still doesn't believe. And guess who shows up? Though the doors were locked, right, because they're terrified still what's going on. This is just Jesus showing off after he resurrected. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Jesus walked through the, the wall. He's like, here I am, right? What does that look like? <laughs> I imagine he's not even walking. It just kind of slides in, right? And so and Jesus shows up. What do you think Thomas is doing? Oh, shoot. Jesus says this, and we're going to break this down in a second. Jesus says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. You can just see it. Put your finger let me, let me take your finger. Let me, let me just stick it. Thomas is putting his hand through Jesus' hand. This is crazy, Jesus. He says, let me see your hand. He said, here, put it in my side. Feel the hole. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas has this moment with Jesus where he replies, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus tells him, because you have seen me, you believe me. But blessed are those who have not seen me and yet still are going to believe me. But I love this. I love Thomas. I love people like this. I love people that don't buy what you're selling. They got to figure it out on their own. I love people that don't buy everything off of, off of TV marketing late at night. I love people that don't stop at every kiosk in the mall because they tell you your hands are nice and they have lotion that can make them nicer. We've all fallen for this. Or if it's too good to be true, it's probably not what? Probably not true. A few weeks ago, I was scrolling through Facebook. You know, Facebook knows you, so I think it knew I was fat. And so I was going through Facebook, and when I was scrolling through Facebook, this thing came on my Facebook multiple times. Like, I was scrolling through multiple times. It was like the Lord was speaking to me through Facebook. And it was for this invention that was, uh, that was made by the scientists for the Navy SEALs. It's good enough for the Navy SEALs. It's good enough for me. And what it was, it was the elect, this electric shock therapy sticker things that you put on your abs and you turn it on. And without doing any sit-ups, you get abs. <laughs> so I bought that. <laughs> I, was, I don't want to do sit-ups. I'll take abs, right? For two weeks, I sat on my bed with that thing shocking my stomach, squeezing my fat together, right, like a mouth. I don't got abs. I'm not going to show you. Use your imagination. It's too good to be true. It's not true. Remember years ago, I used to wear rubber bands on my wrist. I thought it was cool because basketball players did it. And so I used to pluck myself when I messed up, which was a lot. And so, and I was a little older. And so I was like, you know, rubber bands are kind of immature. And so I was walking in the outlets at, in, in Philadelphia, premium outlets. And I walked by this kiosk and they had these things called balance bracelets. And they were just rubber, like, like, band, like rubber band material, rubber. And then in the middle of it, it had a piece of metal. And the guy told me, if you wear this, you'll be balanced in life. 
balanced in your organs, balanced in your bowels, balanced in your balance, balance, balance. I wore that thing for months. It did nothing. The conversation starter. What was the conversation starter? I was an idiot. I paid 20 bucks for this thing, right? If it's too good to be true, it's probably not. I love Thomas. I love people like this. I love people that walk into church and they're like, I'm not impressed. I don't believe this. I'm not even going to smile at you. I'm not drinking your coffee today. I don't know what's in this coffee. I've seen movies, right? I don't know if this is real. I know my parents believe this. I get that, teenagers. I know my, my parents believe this, but I'm not sure if this is real. Maybe you've been to church before and you've walked away and you're not sure. Maybe you've been hurt by somebody that went to church. Maybe somebody's turned you off from the message of the church and you come in and you per se have a wall spiritually built up before Jesus. I just want to tell you that's okay. The gospel message speaks to that. That's Thomas. He's logical. This don't make sense. I know you guys are excited. You might have had Taco Bell last night. I don't know what this is. I need to see him for myself. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. The road to a committed relationship with Jesus, number one, it always starts with doubt. It, it always starts with doubt. Unless I see the nails. Unless I touch his side. I saw what happened to him a few weeks ago. I felt that pain. I've, I've, I've carried that loss. That was Jesus. That was my boy. I was supposed to follow him. We were supposed to be a part of starting this earthly kingdom. I was supposed to be a leader there. Like, I, I saw Jesus, like, and I watched him be put on a cross. My heart was ripped from me. My dream was destroyed. My hope is gone. I can't take your word for it. I need to see it for myself. Unless I touch the nails in his hands, the holes in his hands, and I touch the hole in his side, I cannot believe on my own. Listen, committed faith in Jesus always starts with a little doubt. Thomas has been like this his whole life, by the way. We know that. One time Jesus is, has a friend named Lazarus. He's dying. And Jesus said, I'm going to go heal him. It's not going to end in death. But Jesus didn't say it's not going to get to death. So Lazarus dies, and Jesus is like, oh, let's go back to, to, to get Lazarus. Let's go back to Bethany, which, by the way, in Bethany, they tried to kill Jesus last time he was there. And Thomas, because he's full of doubt and always needs to reason stuff out, he says, yeah, let's go back. Let's all die together, Jesus. Great idea. There's another time Jesus is trying to explain to the disciples eternal life and talking about the rooms that God has, the mansions and room, and, and, how to, and he, goes, he goes, yeah, that's great. We, how do we get there, Jesus? You've never explained it to us. We don't understand. He just constantly had this mentality where he was like, I have to see it to believe it. I don't know what his background is. I don't know what his life is like. But I started thinking about my own life. And he, here's what I found about my own life is doubt many times gets its source from previous pain, previous fears, previous hurts, and from previous bad experiences. You say Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me, that he's with me. Why did that person abandon me then? You, you, you say Jesus is an ever-present help in a time of need, but why does it feel like I'm all alone right now? Why did this happen? Like, I can't trust God because of 
bad things that have happened in my life prior. This is what Thomas is saying. I've already tried this. I tried to be as safe as I possibly could with my educated, business-minded guests to follow Jesus. And look where it got me. I can't get placed back in this situation again. Listen, a relationship with Jesus always starts with a little doubt. I just want to, it's okay for you today to struggle with that. It's okay for you to not to give in to peer pressure. It's okay for you to be surrounded by people that, that, that seem like they're fully engaged in the worship of Christ and you to be going, I don't get it yet. It's okay to have questions. Did you know that? It's, it's okay to not, people ask me, I had somebody asked me the other day, hey, what does this mean in the Bible? It's okay for a pastor to say, I have no idea, bro. Ask Google. I got C in college in that class. I don't know what that means, right? Let me call my professor, but he lost my number because he don't like me, right? And so it's okay to not have it all figured out. It's okay to start with a little doubt. And here's why, is doubt often causes you to dig. And what I found is when you dig for Jesus, you often find gold. When you begin, when you say, I don't care what my parents believe. I, I, I don't care what my teachers teach me. I, I don't go to Christian school. I'm not worried about what the, what the professor there, the teacher there tells me. I, I'm not looking for an education in Jesus. I need to experience him for myself. That's what they're saying. They're saying, we, we're not passing down stories. It's, okay, here's the story. Okay, here, Thomas, here's the details of it. Make sure you keep it right. Make sure you keep it organized. Make sure you don't mess it up. Make sure you say it's the third day, not the fourth day. Make sure you say it was in the tomb of a rich man. Make sure you ever play whisper down the lane like that. Make sure you do this. We can't even get three people down without messing it up. He says, we're not sharing a message of carefully organized stories and schemes. We're sharing what we've experienced as men and women. We're telling you the truth that we know. And what I found is doubt often causes you as a person to dig. And the more digging that you do, the more gold that you'll find. In, in other words, that, that a committed relationship with Jesus starts with doubt and often goes through a season of discovery. It's a good season. You, you see, Thomas is there. He's like talking to the disciples. He's being a hater. And Jesus comes floating through the wall, right? He's freaked out. What does Jesus say to him? This is really interesting. He says, peace be with you. The most benevolent of greetings that a Jewish person can give another Jewish person. You know why he did this? Because I think that Thomas probably thinks Jesus is here, and I've been denying that he's resurrected from the dead, and now he's going to be mad at me. By the way, the first time he sees the other disciples, you know how he greets them? Peace be with you. Here's what it means in, in, in that time. It means all peace and always at all times be with you. In other words, I know you screwed up. That's why I died on the cross. I know you're not good enough. That's why I resurrected. I, I, I know that you can't build your church on, your, on this church on your own. That's why I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you. I'm not worried about your insufficiencies and your bad qualities and your lack of character. I'll give you everything you need if you trust in me. Peace be with you. Here's Thomas. Thomas freaking out. Hey, peace be with you. And then do you notice what he does? Was Jesus around when Thomas made this statement? I need to touch his hands. I need to touch his side or I'm not going to believe him. Technically, he wasn't. Some of you are like, well, he's everywhere, right? Okay, I got you, right? And so, but he wasn't physically there. 
But Jesus is so in tune with us that he heard what Thomas said. And what does he do? He walks through the wall. He appears to Thomas. Nobody else is really matters in the room. And he says, here, Thomas, here's my hand. Here, put your finger through, through the hole. Thomas, here, is this what you need? He pulls up his, his, his shirt, and he, and he puts his hands inside of his, his wound, maybe that's still, still there. Maybe he sees the scar, and he, and he, and he sees that, and he goes, he goes, believe now. Jesus gives him exactly what he needs to believe. I, I just believe the closer you get to Jesus, the better he gets. You ever been around people that they, you get closer, they get worse? Call them a 50-yarder. You know what I'm talking about? You're single, you're like, hey, look good. You're like, get closer, you're rubbing your eyes. You're like, nah, never mind, right? You ever been, been around some, you're like, that's so mean, Pastor Shouldn't say. It's true, right? It's true. You, you ever been around somebody that you, that you saw from a distance? You're like, I'd like to be friends with them. And then you get to know them and you're like, never mind. Like, I bet they're so nice. And then you hang out with them alone. I, I just think, the closer you get to Jesus, the better he'll become. It's, it's not the opposite. Like, there, there's a different way, what I would call the hot dog theory, right? I love hot dogs until I see how hot dogs are made, then I don't want hot dogs. <laughs> right? I'll, I'll give you another one. Something like, I don't, even, I don't eat hot dogs, right? And so salsa, anybody love salsa here? I'm going to ruin salsa for you on Easter Sunday. So when I was a young man, young man, I lived in Oklahoma. I had a friend that sold produce for a living. And, and one day he said, Steve, don't ever eat salsa anywhere ever again. And I said, that's a little dramatic, Chris. He said, let me explain to you how they make salsa. I said, okay, explain to me. He says, you get a, I buy boxes of tomatoes. I buy boxes of peppers. I buy boxes of onions. We get them shipped from Mexico up to here. You go into a warehouse. You pick these boxes up. You put them in your truck. And then you take the boxes and you sell them to different restaurants and they make salsa. I said, that's great. That's how salsa is made. He said, the problem is in every box that I get is not only produce but also insects. He says, when they go make salsa in a restaurant, they don't wade through there and wash all these things off. They just dump it into big vats and mix it all up and pray that the bugs don't make you sick. They call it protein. <laughs> Some of you, I'm going to Google this right now, right? <laughs> I doubt. <laughs> so for about three years, I didn't eat salsa. Now I'm like, I don't care, man. Give me protein, right? Is that a stink bug in there? Let me get that, right? Closer you get, worse it gets. That happens at church sometimes. Closer you get to church people, worse it gets, right? But I'm telling you, closer you get to Jesus, the better he gets. The more you, you get rid of all the other stuff. I get it. Listen, sometimes it's hard for me to like Jesus as a pastor, or like, Pete, like the church as a pastor, because I deal with people. You know what I'm talking about? I get all that. So what I got to do when I'm, when I'm dealing with it, I get closer to Jesus because the more that I grow in Jesus, the closer I get to Jesus, the better he becomes in my life. The better he becomes. So he gets really close to Jesus. And so here's some things that people say about Jesus from a distance. They'll be like, it's, it, it, it's not scientific. Like it's, it's scientifically impossible. It, it doesn't make sense lined up with science. Here's the problem with science is they're figuring it out on the fly. You know, it wasn't until 1475 that they figured out, and I just want to preference that they figured out, and they, it's still true that the earth was round, right? Because right now we're living in a weird time. Like, how do you know? I'm like, I, I, he told us in 1475, have you ever been around it? No, I've been to Mexico. That's the farthest I've been. But sometimes I like to travel the world, right? But here's what I know. 2,500 years before they said the earth is round, the Bible said the earth is round. 
Everybody thought the earth was flat. They should have just read the Bible. If they would have read the Bible, Isaiah 40, long before Jesus comes, tells us he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Could have saved ourselves years of time wasted and money invested in science. You know, for years they said you can count the stars. You can count the stars. You can just label the stars. They had different numbers for the stars. It's really interesting. At one point, they thought there was 777. It sounded spiritual. Another point, they thought there was 1,005, then 1,022, and then 1,056, and then a smart man named Galileo said, we can't count the stars. But before Galileo lived, and it was told us in Jeremiah, I'll make the descendants of David my servant and the Levites who minister today before me as countless as the stars in the sky. It's not scientific, right? You know, for years, we, we, we've learned through science that kind words and laughter are good for one's health. Did you know that? Smiling is good for you. Some of you need to just hear that. <laughs> right? The book of Proverbs, written by, written by men that gained wisdom from the Lord, said this long before they figured that out. Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Other times you're far away from the Lord and you'll be like, you hear younger people say this, Christianity is just so hateful. Just hateful, full of bigots, full of phobes. There's all these phobes there. And here's what I've experienced, and you can study it, but anywhere the message of Jesus is proclaimed, you see life change for the better. You see nations change for the better. You witness thieves become honest, alcoholics become sober, hateful individuals become channels of love, and unjust persons embracing justice. Anywhere, you can, you can study it. Money that's given away, the majority of money in America that is given to nonprofit organizations, you know where it comes from? The church. You have people, hey, church shouldn't be a nonprofit initiative, and they should pay their own taxes. That would be fine. But all of the nonprofits that get supported by the church would suffer. Anywhere Jesus, real, some of you are like, what about, the, what about the Crusades? Like, you got some historians in here, some Thomas, real Thomas is like, what about the Crusades? I will just remind you that the Crusades are run by a Catholic church, and we are a Protestant church, which means we are not pro-Catholic. We, we, are, we, we have totally different beliefs. We believe in Jesus, not Mary, right? Mary was just a vessel through whom Jesus came. We don't pray to Mary. We don't pray to saints. We take our prayers. We don't confess to, 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 to priests. We take that straight to the high priest, the one who understands it's his name, Jesus Christ. It's just a myth. You hear that too? It's just a myth. These guys just made this up. Think about the benefits to that myth they made up. Every disciple that shared the message of Jesus Christ, they document it, died because of this story. That's an awful club to be a part of. Crucified upside down. Skinned alive. Burned alive. Ripped apart by lions. Early Christians, if you're in school, you learn about Nero in the Roman Empire. Nero blamed Christians for burning down Rome and then found every Christian he could find and put them on top of, of, of stakes, crucified them, and used their bodies as kindling to light up the Roman night sky. There was no benefit to, to this. The closer you get to it, the more facts that you, you find, 
the more that you'll say, man, it's not just something where you just believe it because it's actually an intellectual thing. In fact, I found in my own life, it takes more faith to not believe in the resurrection than it does to believe in it. It takes more reasoning. So we're like, yeah, I'm all in the facts. And that's the truth is, is even if I proved Jesus was real, many of us would still walk away and just kind of just do our own thing. And and the reason I know that is because we do that all the time in life. Why do people smoke still? Why do people drink still? Why, 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 why do people still drink monsters and things like that? No one blows up your heart. Why, why do we have all these facts and keep doing it? Because the truth is, is following Christ is more than just facts. It does take some faith. It does take some faith. So listen, it starts with some doubt. It leads you through some seasons of discoveries. And here, here, here's, here's number three. Number three is really important. It then takes you or leads you to what I would call a committed trust in God. Jesus told us in Matthew 22, he says, love the Lord your God, watch this, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In in, in other words, God gives us hearts to love them, he gives us wills to choose them, but we also have minds to know them. Thomas is having a mind experience. All of his doubt, all of his questions, all of his, all of his worry, all of his fear, all, 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 all of the, uh, I can't do it again. Jesus is meeting him there. And I love, I love, I love what happens next. So there's a couple things you couldn't say as a Jewish person. Publicly or you would get in trouble. One of them is you could never call somebody God that wasn't God. That was blasphemy. That's why when Jesus called himself the son of God, the religious leaders hated Jesus. In fact, that's how they, that's how they got Pilate to sentence him. Is, they said he's going around calling himself God. Oh, by the way, you probably don't care about God because you're a Roman. You have a million gods. He's also calling himself king. I think Caesar would have a problem with that. He's calling himself the king of kings, the son of God, the Messiah. So they killed him. This would get you in trouble to make a public statement about this. But this is... This is This is the statement every person that ever followed Christ makes. He's not looking for a convenient follower. He's not looking for you to go, you know what, I'm going to throw you a bone. Jesus, yeah, I believe in you. He's looking for your commitment. And Thomas makes this statement of commitment right here in front of Jesus. He says this, I love this. He says, my Lord and my God. My Lord, my God. That is a line in the sand. That is a get you in trouble with the religious leaders. That that, that could get you murdered in the streets of Jerusalem. Heck, that could get you put on a cross. My Lord and my God. And the rest of Thomas' life is different. Here's what we know that happened to him. uh, He went to Jerusalem, went to the upper room, got filled with the Spirit. I believe he was out in the street. He was gathering all the doubters anonymous around him. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, you look like you doubt. You look like you're not believing this. You look like you're not, you know, smoking what we're laying down here. You, 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 look, you look like I look. Hey, come here. Let me speak to you. Let me speak to you with some intellect. Let me speak to you with some logic. Let, let me point out some facts to you. Let me lead you to the foot of the cross. Let me tell you what happened to me. 
And after he goes there and he preaches the gospel in a language people could understand there, the Bible doesn't have much to say about Thomas after that, but history speaks of him. We know at some point Thomas left Jerusalem, the safety of Jerusalem, and he traveled to, the, to, a, to a country called India. He went to India to tell the people there about Jesus. They had never heard the gospel. He was doing what Jesus told them to do. Felt the nails, saw the side, he's in. He went to India and he led an evangelistic crusade, unlike we've seen in, in the history of the world, they say. Many, many people responded to the gospel. But here's the problem with the gospel. Everywhere the gospel goes, it's divisive. It creates people that want to commit and follow, and it also creates enemies. It's very divisive. You're either all in or all out. Jesus is either 100% true or he's insane. He didn't come to be a good teacher. The Bible said he came to seek and save the lost. He came to die for the sins of the world. And Thomas saw it, and it was good enough for him to go to a new world and preach the gospel. And at some point, the enemies of the cross caught him. They put him up against a tree. And he said, we're sick of what you're teaching. Deny Christ, and we'll let you live. But how could he do that? How could he do that? I touched the nails. Scarred hands, and I, I saw a side. You ever been there? You're crazy, man. What are you believing? Why are you following that? Why do you, why do you give? Why do you, why do you, why do you forgive your enemies? Why, why do you come to church on Sunday? Why don't you do what everybody else does? Because I see Jesus. I can't deny what I've seen. I've seen the addict been healed. I've seen with my own eyes marriages restored. I've seen people, just to be honest with you, who walked into this place and looked like they hate everything. Smile through Christ. I've seen people who I guarantee would have never, ever, ever told you they'd be in church on a Sunday morning setting up cones and making coffee and serving because just a few years ago they were hungover somewhere on Sunday because they were just trying to make it through the day. I've seen them find purpose and hope in Jesus Christ. I've seen the nail. I've seen, I've seen, I can't do anything. So they slammed Thomas against the tree and they said, deny Jesus. Here's how Thomas responded. Here's what history says. I love this part. He says, never, never will I deny the one who died for me. And with that, Thomas took his last breath on this earth. They took a spear and they shoved it through his heart. But he saw Jesus, the resurrected Lord, the Lamb of God. And he realized what was promised, not only forgiveness of sins and purpose in life, but the Bible says eternity was on the other side. And he realized that if I was to die for Christ, that's game because I get to see him in heaven. He took his last breath on this side of eternity. I'm not sure what it looks like, the transition looks like, but I know it's, a, it's like a blink of an eye, the Bible says. And he woke up in heaven and he saw Jesus again. What do you hear? Hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me show you those rooms you were doubting about. I got a good one for you, Thomas. Let's celebrate. And he finished well. 
going to deny what he's seen. Listen, I'm just, I got no agenda for you today. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you walked through these doors. I got no wild schemes, no manipulation. I just know what Jesus has done in my life. I look out and I see what Jesus has done in other people's lives here. And we just want you to know about his power. We just want you to know about his love. We, we just want you to embrace and understand the power of the death, the burial, and resurrection. We want you to walk in freedom. I want you to have the same hope that I have. I, 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 I want you to walk up with a little bit of peace in your life. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are so crippled by anxiety and fear. When you meet Christ, they have to go away. Some of your life feels like it's dark and, and it, it's death and it, it's, it's over. What does the Bible say? Death can't hold Jesus down. I just want you to know Jesus Christ. Crucified, buried, and risen again. Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me all over this place? Maybe that's you. Maybe as I speak about doubt, I speak about you. Maybe you didn't know it was okay to come into this place and have questions. Maybe you didn't know it was okay to come into this place and not have it all figured out. Maybe you didn't know it was okay to come into this place and not be okay. Hey, it's okay to not be okay. I just don't want you to stay there. I want you to know the hope. I want you to understand and embrace the sacrifice. I want you to meet Jesus. The Bible says all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Take that in, think about it, embrace it. That's you, that's me. That's the best person you can think of. That's the worst person you can think of. All of us fall short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death and hell. We deserve death, we deserve hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For anyone who calls on him shall be saved. You confess and you believe. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to have all of my answers to my questions. But Jesus is meeting me here. I can feel him knocking at the door of my heart. And I know today I need a relationship with him. I feel that he's real. I can feel his presence all around me right now. I feel like he set this moment up in time. I know he's here. And today I want to put my faith in him. Listen, I give you all the facts. You still got to make the decision. Jesus did all the work. You still have to say yes to receive it. Jesus gave you a gift. You still have to open it up. It's a decision only you can make. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I believe what you're saying. No agenda. No agenda. Just the heart that's been changed and the desire for your heart to also be changed. Just one beggar, me, telling another beggar, you, where to get some spiritual food. His name's Jesus. He'll meet you right there, right where you're at, if you let him. Yes, Jesus Christ, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. My Lord, my God. I'm going to work my way through doubt. I'm not going to let fear and past bad experiences and worry get in the way. No, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to trust him. 
I'm going to say yes to the finished work of the cross, to the power of the resurrection. Jesus Christ, be my Lord and my Savior. The Bible says that you, you confess and you believe. You ask him. That's it. Some of you never prayed before in your life. You're kind of confused. You think you got to go to church and be educated, but prayer, it's just like talking to a friend. It's more about the posture of your heart than it is about the prettiness of your words. Say yes to Jesus. Jesus Christ, be the Lord and Savior of my life. Young, old, been to church before, never been to church before, been here for years, know Jesus with your head, but never experienced him with your heart. Something's changing. Jesus Christ, be my Lord and be my Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed all over this, this, this auditorium on this Easter Sunday, if you would say, Pastor Steve, I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I walked into this place with doubt. Heck, I'm still struggling with doubt. I still need to see Jesus more, but I know right now all I can do is I can say yes to him. I need him to be my Lord and my Savior. I need to follow him. I don't want to live life on my own anymore. I don't want to be my own boss. I'm doing an awful job of it. Today, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to accept what he did for me on that cross and through his resurrection today i want to be a brand new person if that's you all over this place and you say that's me pastor don't worry about the person to your right or left just you and jesus you and jesus you and a little bit of courage right now you and a little bit of desperation i need to change i need jesus christ to be my lord and savior all over this house would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say hey that's me I need Jesus Christ to heal me. I need him to make me whole. I see hands in the middle right here. I need him to forgive me. Hands in the back. Is there anybody else? I need Jesus Christ to heal me, forgive me, set me free. Is there anybody else who would say, hey, pastor, that's me. Hands over here. Now do me a favor. Let's pray together. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus Christ. Today, you're my Lord, and you're my God. From this day forward, I'm going to walk in freedom because of what you did for me on that cross. You took my sins. You paid my price. My debt is clear. Jesus, I also believe that in power, you rose from the dead. And because of that, today, I'm a brand new person. Jesus, thank you for purpose. Thank you for love. Thank you for wholeness. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. All over this house, would you shout amen? Amen, amen. amen. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.